Hi, my name is Jackie and welcome to After the Last Page, a show where I read books of all genres, some trending and some not, and I'll give you my unbiased reviews. Let's get started. Welcome back to another episode of After the Last Page. Today I'm reviewing the book Remarkably Bright Creatures. This book is by Shelby Van Pelt, and it's 355 pages. It's contemporary fiction, and it features a slight mystery with an older narrator and multiple point of views. It also features sea creature and discussions of nature, discussions of family separations, and it is a debut novel. So let's get into today's synopsis. Tova Sullivan has been living alone since her husband died. She takes comfort in her routine, from meeting up with her group of friends, the Nitwits, to working night shift cleaning the Sowell Bay Aquarium. Keeping busy has always helped her cope with her emotions, and after mysteriously losing her 18-year-old son and then her husband, coping is all Tova is left with. Cameron Casmore has lost his way, or I suppose he would have if he had ever found it in the first place. Abandoned by his mother at a young age and never knowing his father, Cameron has never been a family man. That is, until his Aunt Jeanne gives him a box of his mother's things, and he finds a mysterious ring that leads him right to Sowell Bay, and hopefully an inheritance that will make his lonely childhood worth the pain. Brought together by the aquarium's giant Pacific octopus, Remarkably Bright Creatures is the story of both Tova and Cameron and the important lessons that they have yet to learn. Ever the detective, Marcellus the octopus is determined to unearth the truth to both characters before it's too late. Shelby Van Pelt's debut novel is a gentle reminder that sometimes taking a hard look at the past can help uncover a future that once felt impossible. If you'd like to hear a quick reading from this novel, keep listening. Day 1299 of my captivity. Darkness suits me. Each evening I await the click of the overhead lights, leaving only the glow from the main tank. Not perfect, but close enough. Almost darkness, like the middle bottom of the sea. I lived there before I was captured and imprisoned. I cannot remember, yet I can still taste the untamed current of the cold open water. Darkness runs through my blood. Who am I, you ask? My name is Marcellus, but most humans do not call me that. Typically, they call me that guy. For example, look at that guy. There he is. You can just see his tentacles behind the rock. I am a giant Pacific octopus. I know this from the plaque on the wall beside my enclosure. I know what you are thinking. Yes, I can read. I can do many things you would not expect. The plaque states other facts. My size, preferred diet, and where I might live were I not a prisoner here. It mentions my intellectual prowess, penchant for cleverness, which for some reason seems a surprise to humans. Octopuses are remarkably bright creatures, it says. It warns the humans of my camouflage, tells them to take extra care in looking for me, in case I have disguised myself to match the sand. The plaque does not state that I am named Marcellus, but the human called Terry, the one who runs this aquarium, sometimes shares this with the visitors who gather near my tank. See him back there. His name's Marcellus. He's a special guy. A special guy indeed. 
Terry's small daughter chose my name, Marcellus McSquiddles, in full. Yes, it is a preposterous name. It leads many humans to assume I am a squid, which is an insult of the worst sort. How shall you refer to me, you ask? Well, that is up to you. Perhaps you will default to calling me that guy, like the rest of them. I hope not, but I will not hold it against you. You are only human, after all. I must advise you that our time together may be brief. The plaque states one additional piece of information. The average lifespan of a giant Pacific octopus? Four years. My lifespan? Four years. 1,460 days. I was brought here as a juvenile. I shall die here in this tank. At the very most, 160 days remain until my sentence is complete. The Silver Dollar Scar Tova Sullivan prepares for battle. A yellow rubber glove sticks up from her back pocket like a canary's plume as she bends over to size up her enemy. Chewing gum. For heaven's sake, she jabs at the pinkish blob with her mop handle. Layers of sneaker tread emboss its surface, speckling it with grime. Tova has never understood the purpose of chewing gum, and people lose track of it so often. Perhaps this chewer was talking ceaselessly, and it just stumbled out, swept away by a slurry of superfluous words. She bends over and picks at the edge of the mess with her fingernail, but it doesn't budge from the tile, all because someone couldn't walk ten feet to the trash bin. Once, when Eric was young, Tova caught him mashing a piece of bubblegum under a diner table. That was the last time she bought bubblegum for him, although how he spent his allowance as adolescence set in it was like so much else, beyond her control. Specialized weaponry will be necessary. A file, perhaps. Nothing on her cart will pry up the gum. As she stands, her back pops. The sound echoes down the empty curve of the hallway, bathed in its usual soft blue light, as she journeys to the supply closet. No one would fault her, of course, for passing over the blob of gum with her mop. At seventy years old, they don't expect her to do such deep cleaning. But she must at least try. Besides, it's something to do. Now that we've done a short reading, let's get into my review of Remarkably Bright Creatures. Now, I decided to give this book three and a half out of five stars. Um, let's get into why. Okay, so first of all, this book has a gorgeous, gorgeous bright cover, and it has some really fantastic praise. And this isn't just praise from smaller authors. You know, Helen Huang re reviewed this one actually on Goodreads, and I believe her quote is on the back of the cover as well. So, seeing this on popular websites like Book Riot, I knew that this book was going to be something special, so I ordered it the day it got released. Well, actually, my library ordered it, and then I requested it right away. So, I was the first one to get my hands on this book, and I have some things to say about it. Now, I expected this book to be mostly about Marcellus the octopus, especially considering he's on the cover. Yet, Marcellus only plays a small role to the story. Instead, this is the story of Tova and Cameron and the journey that the two of them have been through before meeting each other. Now, something I just wanted to add in here that I found to be really interesting 
was the way that Van Peltz kind of made Marcellus his own character and gave him the ability to speak. Now, that's not something that we see very often in books, let alone as a Pacific octopus. Um, You know, sometimes we see it with dogs in books that are narrated by the dog, but we don't often see an animal or, in this case, a sea creature as the narrator. So that was a first for me. Now, as always, I'm going to try to keep the spoilers in this review to a minimum, and I'll try to keep it semi-short for you. But it's important to note that Cameron and Tova do meet in the book. So we have to kind of say that first in order to talk about the way that this book needs to be discussed. Firstly, I have to say that I loved Tova's character. I was not expecting to have a mature narrator, and I loved it. I've never really read a book with an older narrator like this. Um, and I wasn't sure how I was going to like it. Tova, I believe she's in her 70s in the book. So there were some moments that I felt connected with her that I wasn't really expecting. And I won't divulge those because I don't want to spoil it for you. But her character almost felt like a close grandparent or a relative at times. The kind that you visit as often as you can because you enjoy spending time with them. I wasn't expecting her role to be so lonely and solitary. For me, it really brought a new meaning and understanding to the idea of widows and the amount of respect they deserve for having to start all over after losing a life partner. Tova really embodies that. While characters and their development are the shining star in this particular novel, I did not love Cameron's character. And I think part of that is what Van Pelt wanted us to feel, um, especially in the beginning. But I think we're supposed to come around to him as a reader, and I just didn't. I felt like he got an ending that he didn't deserve. I've known people like Cameron, and I find that they never gain respect or understanding. Like, there's never that aha moment for arrogant people, and that's exactly what Cameron is. He has this sense of entitlement, even at the end of the book. And that's what brings him to Sewell Bay, and he's hoping to find something that's completely unrealistic. In fact, up until the time of the storyline, and even at the beginning of this plot, his entire outlook on his future is unrealistic. I think his ending was just too clean for my taste. In reality, Cameron would not have had the ending he did, because characters like his are often unable to change. And honestly, I don't think he would have. I think the biggest note I have for this book is the structure of the actual novel. I thought the way the author structured the novel and the multiple point of views was a little strange, and it took me a little bit to catch on, which I assume was the point of it, Um, but especially in the beginning, like the first 50 pages or so, it is very difficult to see how these two characters are connected. You know, sometimes with novels that have multiple point of views, they'll do a section where they put the character's name at the top and you know, okay, well, that's Tova's view or, oh, okay, that's Cameron's view. This book didn't really do that. It had title chapters, but then it never really separated those two characters. And I think that this is kind of an interesting aspect because maybe they weren't supposed to be separated. Maybe the author wanted us to feel like they were connected in a way 
because she didn't separate them by name for each aspect. You know, maybe that was intentional. I'm not really sure. But the first 50 pages especially, it was difficult to follow because I wasn't sure who I was talking to or who I was listening to. And that that was frustrating for me. Um, but the bigger problem, I think, is as soon as the reader actually does catch on to how the two characters are connected, the rest of this book becomes extremely predictable. Now, there are, when I say there's multiple point of views in this book, you have Marcellus, you have Tova, and then you have Cameron. Now, on top of that, there's also minor characters that are coming in and doing their point of view, like Ethan, who is the store owner in the novel. So, I think this unorganized aspect to it really bothered me, and I think maybe it's supposed to distract us from the book being predictable, but it's very obvious what's going to happen from that point where we connect Cameron and Tova. That didn't necessarily make the book less enjoyable for me, but I didn't love how this book was structured, and I think that really did lead to the low end of the review for me. So overall, I thought Remarkably Bright Creatures was a charming story. While its plotline is somewhat predictable, the characters are very well developed, and the details are exceptional for a debut novel. I mean, let's be real, the way that the author really winds the story is fantastic for her first book. I really enjoyed Van Pelt's ability to create moments with minor characters that help enrich the protagonists. Like I said, with the story of Ethan, the store owner, and Cameron also has a love interest, and she's included. Now, she doesn't have her own point of view in any of these chapters, I don't think. Um, not that I remember. However, there are small moments, I think, that bring to life important foreshadowing for the main characters, but they also help the reader gain an understanding for the town and the community around the aquarium as well. Now, I expected Marcellus the Octopus to be the star of this novel, but the real star in this plot is Tova, and the things she learns about herself from working with Marcellus. Now, I'm not going to go into too much detail, um, but I found this novel to be a quick read that was enjoyable to get through. There are definitely some lessons to be learned from this novel, and there are important notes on family that I think any reader would really be able to relate with. As a reader myself, I think there were a few things I would have liked to see Van Pelt improve on in this novel, especially with that structure. The structure just really bothered me. But it's clear that Remarkably Bright, uh, Bright Creatures has been hyped up on book sites for a reason. This is going to be a fantastic summer read for so many people, and the cover just makes it a perfect addition to any Instagram vacation and travel bag. So I will definitely be following Van Pelt and patiently awaiting her next novel, as I'm sure after this one she will be cherished among many other readers. That being said, I kind of do hope that her next novel won't be so confusing with the structure and maybe might have a character that is a little bit less imperfect than Cameron is. Though, like I said, I did really did enjoy the realistic characters in this one. If you'd like to order Shelby Van Pelt's 
Remarkably Bright Creatures. You can do so on Amazon, and you can find the link to that on my blog, afterthelastpage.com. If you're not sure what to read next, check out my last review, It Ends With Us, by clicking on our blog or listening to our last podcast. Join us again next week for my next review, and that one is going to be Disney-inspired, so don't miss out on that one. You can also check out my blog for more information and more upcoming reviews, and that is afterthelastpage.com. Thanks again for joining us for today's episode of After the Last Page, the review on Remarkably Bright Creatures. Thanks for listening to After the Last Page. My name is Jackie, and this is the show where I read books, some trending, some not, and give you my unbiased review. If you liked this episode, go ahead and like and follow our podcast and our blog at afterthelastpage.com. See you next week.